You are now listening to It's a Streamable Life Podcast with Brandon and Lauren, where we chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. Now start the show. Welcome back to another episode of It's a Streamable Life Podcast, chronicling life in the peak entertainment era. We are your host, Lauren. And I'm Brandon. And it's Black History Month! Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, the 28, this year, 29 days. Yeah. Where people acknowledge black people. Right. And then they forget about us in March. Correct. Right. (laughs) So, um, in honor of Black History Month, we have uh, some special question of the days and today in history that we will be recapping for every episode. So, take it away. Yeah. Okay. So, and this ties into the larger theme of our episode today, but um, I just want to know what is your favorite black film? Like the, and black film is kind of a loose term, I guess, but you know, the films that are categorized as black film, that you know them just as that. I was thinking about this and for me, there's so many but one of my favorites is um, Hollywood Shuffle. Oh, okay. Yeah, that and, is definitely a black film. <laughs> yes, that's a black film. And like, uh, no coincidence, like the, the subject matter concentrates on, you know, blacks in Hollywood and right. sort of how it really hasn't, there's been progress, but it really hasn't changed much to where there's right. a lack of access all around for right. blacks in the realms. That's that's the one I could think of top of my that's head. That's with Robert Townsend, right? Right, Robert Townsend. Uh, actually, I think it was 1987 oh, that wow. came out. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah um, <clears throat> this, this was tough for me, but it was a toss-up between um, uh, Friday mm-hmm. or, uh, oh God, it just skipped my mind, The Wood. Okay. Um, yeah, I remember seeing The Wood. Uh, I came on one night, I think on HBO or something, and it just, I was just like, um, I was just caught up and I couldn't stop watching it. I was laughing and everything. And I think part of it was just like the friendship. I think it was the first time I kind of saw friendship between black guys, not necessarily similar to how I grew up, but mm-hmm. that, you know, they could be lifelong friends. And I think that's what I liked about it. So. Yeah, because definitely something you don't really see in film a lot right, are right. just like black coming of age stories. Right, you know, exactly. Like that. So yeah, I could see that. And yeah, Friday is again. Right. And as much as we celebrate Friday for the for the comedic uh, power it has, like there is a message. Yeah, it really is. You forget about that sort of gets overlooked but it's it's still a strong message yeah all right and then um just for the history part of it um <laughs> this was a little bit difficult and this is something i didn't know but on this day in history jackie robinson the the famous baseball player became the first african-american executive of a tv station and that was wnbc in new york and i'm not mistaken i think it the date was it was like 1957 or something when that happened which was Oh, wow. Right, yeah, that's what really took me out. I was like, damn. Um, And then also in uh, Black people history, uh, Lawrence Taylor 
the famous football player, also known as LT from the New York Giants, uh, was born. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, some reason I just figured that was a different Jackie Robinson because I didn't. Yeah, that's what I thought. Put I was together. Like, huh? Yeah, huh. Well, alrighty. We'll uh, <clears throat> transition to our first segment. Not much happened in news as of late of like i guess new news you would say right, right um we had the super bowl of course um it was a pretty good game right um and you have the ads the ads uh, as much as people are spending on them they're not as classic as i think they no. used to be no um, and and being able to see them a week before the game ruins it yeah it ruins everything yeah yeah so <laughs> I don't know if they were silly, but <laughs> something about the Mr. Peanut one. I don't know what it was, but I, I didn't expect that, but I still laughed. I was like, this is stupid, but it's funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think so. my favorites were uh, the Alexa one. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, the Hummus one wasn't too bad. It was. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Alexa one went out for me because the other ones. I can't remember, or they just weren't. Right, weren't that funny. Weren't that funny, yeah. yeah. But I did enjoy one spot from Disney Plus. It was yes. our first look at their anticipated slate of Marvel TV series. Yeah. So we finally saw footage of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, we saw footage of WandaVision, and saw some footage of Loki, which will be coming out Loki, right. Loki, right. Loki, which will be coming at a later date. Um, and these are all characters of the MCU um, reprising their roles from the films for the TV show. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, today, they announced premiere dates for these shows. So Falcon and Winter Soldier will be coming in August. Hmm. Um, the Mandalorian Season 2 will be coming in October. And WandaVision will be coming in December. Okay. So you can yeah. mark your calendars for that. I think... Yeah, I believe... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I believe each episode is going to be eight episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Yeah, I I saw that, and I the only thing I didn't know or didn't understand is I don't what is one division. I was not sure. Okay, so with as you know, spoiler if you've been living under a rock the past <laughs> ten years, but um, Vision dies in Avengers. Yeah. Endgame or yeah. Infinity War. Infinity War? <laughs> no, it's Endgame. Okay, sorry. And um, WandaVision is basically people are interpreting it as Wanda's desperate need to keep him with her. So she's made this alternate reality. I think they're finally, oh. since Marvel owns. <clears throat> Uh, the X-Men again from Fox yeah. and finally go into Wanda as a mutant. Because all this time, they, um, while Fox owned X-Men, they weren't allowed to say mutant. So that's why Wanda, wow. uh, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver in the MCU were like humans that had been experimented on, and that's how they got their powers. But I think this yeah. way, they're finally going to introduce her as a mutant, <clears throat> and she's developed an alternate reality where her and Vision are sort of like in this sitcom yeah. world. Um, okay. And, and it kind of touches on a comic 
that um, Tom King wrote a few years ago called The Vision, where it, where it um, pictured vision living like 1950 suburbia with a family of visions like him. It was yeah. very dark. Hmm. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, that's the premise. Yeah, so yeah, because when the commercial got to that part, I was kind of like, all right, um, I'm lost. So yeah, I'd figure you'd know. So yeah. And many people think it's going to reference um, something called House of M, which occurred in the X-Men comics where Wanda, uh, aka Scarlet Witch, basically decimates like a quarter of the mutant population. Wow. Like she's that powerful. So Damn. it'll be interesting to see how they intertwine this stuff with the films. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Falcon Winter Soldier, it would be about um, Falcon taking the mantle of Captain America. And apparently yeah. there's be some racial undertones. I hope they do that right. Hmm. Yeah, because that could go quite wrong. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. the MCU hasn't done very well with the Blacks. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the Black Panther. Um, Mandalorian, of course, that's self-explanatory. And then Loki, right. um, basically, we'll follow Loki as he... I guess jumps timelines as we saw in Avengers Endgame. He sort of disappeared with one of the um, Infinity Stones in the alternate timeline. So we'll see sort of that take place All right. okay. with Tom Wilson. Yeah. Our next subject, Quibi, yep. is coming. Um, Quibi is this new mobile streaming app, I guess. That's promising quality uh, television, basically in ten minute yeah. episodes. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting idea. Like that's very innovative for it to be, I guess, purely on like your phone or your tablet, and then the idea of it being so short. Right, but, right. Um, I, I think it stands for like absolutely. bite, quick bite. I think it's what they. Yeah, something like that. that. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. My thing is, I absolutely hate watching things on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can remember early in the streaming days, like, I'd be at work and yeah. watching, like, House of Cards. Well, not House of Cards, but watching Netflix on my phone. It's like, yeah, this is not, this is not it. Yeah. But yeah, with yeah. only 10 minutes, like, you could watch it while you're in the bathroom or on your commute. Yeah, that's true. So. That's true. And they said a big push has been you should uh, see different see the show from different vantage points, whether you're holding it vertically or horizontally. So hmm. that's be interesting. Yeah, it will be. All right, then. And our final headline: uh, HBO Max has purchased on the record the documentary um, about Russell Simmons' sexual assault accusers. This had previously been slated for Apple TV. But for some reason, Apple TV and supporter Oprah Winfrey backed out literally at the last minute. So HBO Max has swooped it up. So it'll be airing there when that launches, I believe, in May. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that'd be interesting. Correct. All right. I think that's all the news we have. We'll now transition to our TV segment, Niggas on TV, aka not. Um, and we have episode five of The Outsider. This episode was called Tear Drinker. Yeah, I think so. I think it was Tear Drinker. Yes, this episode, we kind of delve more into the into the suspicions that um, Holly is under, 
uncovering about the happenings and murders in that are linked to the death of Terry Maitland. Right. Um, and it's stretching pretty, pretty wide, the conspiracy so far. Yeah. Um, what did you think of this half uh, midpoint episode? I think it was um, a little bit slower than last week. I think last week we kind of got what we had been waiting for, you know, some excitement and we learned a little bit more and this gave us more information, but mm-hmm. it, 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 I won't say it, I, was, I, I won't say it took a step back, but it just kind of eased off the gas a little bit. And, and so I was kind of, I wasn't, it, it was still a good episode. We still learned a lot. And I really liked the, um, the how everybody, the, I, I like how the Ralph guys kind of learning that he can't fight this anymore. He kind of has to come around to like, yeah something's not right here Mm. but um and then and then um the uh (laughs) i won't say i was like creeped out but the the guy in the hoodie that's like that's like a great creepy character yeah because it can just be anybody yeah yeah they don't know who it is and at this point it like is that just a like they say the boogie like is it just a creature or is it a doppelganger like like or has he not taken the identity yet i think it's just the entity right now right right yeah i think so okay because we see how and we have to assume that this was the thing that um glory's daughter was seeing when she was going to sleep Right, I think you. And and I would think so because now we're seeing this thing enter everybody's dreams. Right. You know, and uh, it's a so that's rationing up. And then the the guy that that was like first affected, um, Mm -hmm. that was kind of wild. He he, I don't know what's going to happen to him. I'm going to guess he's going to like absolutely snap at one point. Right, because we saw the gentleman basically commit suicide by police right uh, he had a similar marking on his neck on his neck yeah and was connected to the heath murders yeah yeah somehow i'm just not sure how exactly i can't remember exactly how it's pieced together and and that's the thing like with jack it's not like he I mean, he knew Terry Manning, but he wasn't like connected with them. So I'm well, trying, trying to, I guess they'll tell us, but just trying to piece out how the infected person is associated with the larger scheme and like what. Yeah. And, what and I feel like next. when we get that information, it's going to be like a slap in the face. It's going to be something huge. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was, um, it was good. You know, like I said, kind of slowed down, but I think we got what we needed. Mm-hmm. And I, so. I especially felt for, I think her name's Tamika, the detective with the newborn. Yeah. Like that yeah. moment, I was like, oh shit. Right. Yeah. She woke up and I was like, oh damn. Yeah. That was crazy. Um, but yeah. It, it was, I would agree, it was a little bit kind of slower paced, but it did. Uh, tell us a lot and it seems like next episode is going to lead to a a larger development yeah everyone together and holly bring the information to them and seeing how they handle it 
Yeah, so, and we have what, five more episodes? Yes, I believe so. All righty, and just a quick reminder, this Thursday, USA will premiere Briar Patch, um, stars Rosario Dawson, so I may take a glimpse at that first episode just to see what it's like. We might just discuss first impressions of that and whether it will be worthy to cover or whatnot. I haven't read any reviews, but one headline said it it has potential, but it's a little wacky. Ah, okay. We'll now move on to our next segment, No Concessions, where we discuss things we've been binging and films we've watched. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. Okay. Get it out of the way. Um, Hulu has Loose um, mm-hmm. on the streaming service. This was a film that came out last year. It was early last year. I think around Sundance time. Um, stars Kelvin Harrison Jr., Octavia Spencer, Naomi Watts, and who's that other guy? I know his face, but I don't know his name. He plays the dad. Mm. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Looking... Naomi, Calvin, Octavia, and Tim Roth. Okay, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Basically, this is a story about a young, um, intelligent, bright, popular uh, student athlete at a prestigious high school. He's an African-born immigrant who was, to the age of 10, he was basically raised as a child soldier. Okay. And Naomi and Tim's characters have adopted him um, and they've raised him, have him rehabilitated or whatever. And he's he's the, like the shining, uh, expen- uh, shining example of a good student, and also a shining example of like a black student, like a black yeah. citizen. And Octavia Spencer plays uh, his history teacher, and she suspects some unsettling things from an essay he wrote. And um, as the film goes on, her suspicions become greater, and basically. It just examines how um, how we sort of while we we see that Naomi and Tim's characters have done this great deal of service for their son, yeah. there's still that sort of quote unquote liberal racism and right. expectations placed upon him. Um, he's sort of heralded as you know one of the good ones. And with all those expectations come, you know, backlash from fellow students, and then the expect, the pressure to to remain that perfect, to remain that that shining example, and sort of what that does. Um, it, it was a really interesting film, um, real tense, great performances from Harrison and Spencer. Like he really should have deserved a yeah. nomination, but he's still young. Um, so yeah, it's a really good film. I can't remember how I saw that. I don't know if it went to like the festivals first and that's when I realized it was going to come out or what, but it came out a couple years ago, didn't it? No, just last year. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it was early last year. All right. But yeah, it's it's really good. It, it sort of takes that sort of um, affluence, what's the word? Not bad boy, but you hear those stories of like affluent kids who sort yeah. of while out because they don't have any checks and balances or pressures too strong and it it throws race in there and how you sort of have to combat that so it's it's a sort of different take on on the race film 
It was really good. Real short, too. Only like an hour or 30 minutes. Oh, damn. All right. And then I caught up on NBC's Lincoln Rhyme, The Hunt for the Bone Killer, Collector, yeah. um, based on the, I think it was a book before it was a film. I can't remember. But based on the film with Denzel Washington and Angelina Jolie. Um, it's not too bad. It's your typical network crime procedural. Yeah. Um, I'm really watching for Russell Hornsby, who plays Lincoln. Um, this latest third episode, did I did see a shift in the um, storytelling. So it, okay. it could build upon that and get a little better, but it's still sort of just your typical broadcast series. It, it, I don't, I'm hoping it goes a bit darker, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's three episodes so far. It comes on Fridays at 8 p.m., so. I'm going to support. That's what's up. All right. Um, let's see. What did I watch? First, I was kind of in a documentary mood. So that, I watched a couple of those. And the first one I watched, it was, and I, I, this one is nominated for an Oscar, I believe. Okay. Um, but it's called For Sama. <laughs> and it follows a mother and, uh, and her husband in Aleppo, Syria before the the bombing and the um the invasion everything that happened in like 2016 late in 2016 yeah and so and this woman she went to school i believe i think she said she went to school to do like economics and but she always had like a journalistic mindset and so she had just started recording kind of like the end of college when the revolution started and kept recording until like the bombing and stuff and then she ended up falling in love and marrying one of the doctors and mm -hmm. she had a baby and but the, you know it, it shows everything it shows you know their houses getting bombed by the russian planes and the russians oh, wow. took out eight of nine of the hospitals in the city and theirs was the very last one left you know they had friends that were there in the beginning of the documentary they got killed and shelling and shooting and then once the army kind of moves in they're forced to leave and what's kind of scary is that their her husband as a doctor has been speaking out and trying to reach out to foreign countries like hey we need help man we're under attack mm -hmm. and his face is well known by the syrian army and they're like you know look out for this guy so they go to the checkpoint to leave the city but they're fine but uh but then yeah you know and towards the end she finds out that she's pregnant again with another little girl but it's it's really um, wow. it's moving because it's kind of like, I mean, unless something drastic happens here in America, we'll never know what it's like to live in a war zone. Like we'll, ne we'll never know, but this is just wild. Cause I mean, these people have to give up their lives and everything just to go and, um, to, to move for safety. And it's, it's kind of, it, it was, it's, it's good. I, I can't remember what it's up against and I think it's nominated. So, um, it has my vote though. Um, oh, wow. Then I watched another documentary that's a, I think it came out last year, but it's called Hell County This Morning, This Evening. And this is about um, Hell County, Alabama. And uh, it, it, how do I say this? A lot of documentaries go in with, obviously they're not staged, but they have like a plot. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they have a topic, like we're going to talk about health or we're going to talk about, you know, sex or something. But this just kind of, it was a, it was a free flowing portrait 
of black people in Hell County, Hell County, Alabama. And um, it, it was good. It just kind of shows just this vision of the South and people trying to do what they need to do to come up out of there and where they are. And, um, you know, there's, there's some racism, but, you know, it just kind of shows how the people's spirits prevail. Like they just never get down on themselves, but, you know, they show their financial situation, just where they are. It's really interesting. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think what really got me is that the, the black experience in America is not really a monolith. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like we grow up so much different from one another, but we still share common things. Like, you know, these people are just as country as they could be, you know, and I live in a, in a, a mid-sized city. You live in a smaller town, but if we were all to sit in the same room, we could all probably make a list of things that we've all experienced. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was kind of interesting, but yeah, it was really good. It was short too, just like, I think it's an hour, 15 minutes. So okay. but yeah, both of those were on Hulu, by the way. So Yeah. Hulu has a lot of stuff. I just yeah. never know. Right. Right. The, um, I mean, not, Oh God, not Hulu. I meant to say prime. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Prime has a lot of stuff too. Like they just need a better interface because it's not. Oh God, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's so basic. Yeah, I get so upset. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to watch anything. I'm turning it off. <laughs> okay, and then you have a trailers here. I didn't. I don't think I saw any trailers, but um, you have one here. Okay, yeah. Um, the Plot Against America. This is uh, a new show, and uh, it starts. Oh, on March 16th, which I think is a Monday, a Monday, but, but it's based on the novel of the same title by um, American author Philip Roth. And it's, it's an alternative history um, type thing. So in the, in the book, and I read the book, Philip Roth is speaking from his point of view as a child. And it kind of switches things around. Like what happens is that um, Lindbergh, Charles Lindbergh, wins, becomes president instead of Roosevelt. And he's like, super anti-semitic and uh so you know all the jewish people have just come over from the war and like there's this uprising of nazis and hatred and of course the uprising takes place in the south and the midwest and um it, it, yeah it's interesting it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see it brought to like life and, and on tv but it um um, oh, because oh, I can never pronounce his name correctly. Uh, it has Winona Ryder um, mm -hmm. and John Totoro are the two main characters. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's March 16th on HBO, a day after, uh, whatchamacallit? Oh, my God. West Westworld. Westworld. Yes. So. Yeah, everything's shows, coming in March. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So our shows will pick up in March. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, that um, looks pretty good. All right, I'll have to check it out, check the trailer out. Um, Clover, no concession, said we have the weekend box office. Um, for a third week in a row, Bad Boys for Life is number one yeah. with 17 million. People must like it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. And they were smart to put it in January, where usually bad films go to die. So. Right, yeah. Um, they led with a 1917 in second, Doolittle again in third. Um, the new number four was Gretel and Hansel, okay. a horror film, and those reviews weren't so great. Yeah, that, 
movie looked kind of uh, rushed. Yeah, and I know they just did a something like this not too long ago, like a Hans and Gretel horror thing. Yeah, a few years so. ago. Um, and then number five again with Shimanji, the next level. Okay. And I don't have it on here really quick. They had the um, course Sundance Festival was all last week in Park City, yeah. Utah, and a lot of films. Um, well, of course, a lot of films were debuted, but um, a lot of films by black female directors were honored. Yeah, that's um, what I saw. So we'll stay tuned to see those. I know a lot of deals were made, different streamers and um, companies picking films up. So, I I saw something where, oh, uh, I saw something where they were like overall the best films that came out of Sundance. Yeah, were made by women. So yeah. Yeah, this season, uh, films seem to be more um, women-focused and, like, topical-focused. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be waiting to see where I'll be able to watch them. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, we have the art cinema here, but even we're behind. Like, Chicago and New York will get stuff first week, and yeah. then we'll get it, like, a month later. It's like, really? Yeah, yeah. So, so I'll keep my eyes peeled. Right. right, we'll now slide to our feature presentation where, given this is Black History Month, our question is, what is a Black film in 2020? Um, there's just a lot of discussion over, overall about, you know, Blacks and culture and what constitutes a Black film and what we should be doing um, in film, the narratives we should be making, you know, uh, representation across the board for all Black people, just how we're supposed to, um, how we're supposed to discuss the films and whether Black art should be critiqued, which, I mean, of course it should be critiqued because it needs to be held to the standards like everything else deserves that. Yeah. So um, we all just sort of answer the question ourselves. So just for the first, excuse me, just for the first question, what uh, what does a black film to you in 2020 look like? Like what, what does that look like when you hear a black film? I think for me, a black film, it still captures the experience of being black in America or black in the world in general, but with more, it's more inclusive than it has been, I think. I think that's what it has to be. I think that would be my my vision is that a black film in 2020 would would show all the different types of black people that there are. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just what we get in um, this. I guess what you call stereotypical stories, but it uh it includes everybody. You know, and it and it's 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 a bit more open minded, but it but it's honest. You know, it's not it's not playing to a fantasy because that's not how we live. Not everything is great with being black in this world. You know, not everything is open-minded. So it, it it's just an honest portrayal of this life. It's it's but it's it's honest, but honest and inclusive of different ways to be black in the world. I think that's what it would look like. Right. I, I agree. Um I said, you know, like I kind of say the same thing. We can have different stories told because 
you know, every black person has a, there's a black experience, black people experience different things, people experience different things. Right. Um, but it has to be authentic to the black experience, whatever that black experience is, whether it's them living in a rural area, whether in the city, right. whether in right. their middle America, whether they're on the coast, um, whether they're international, it has to be authentic to that experience. Right. And it's it will still be black because that's exactly. who they are. Exactly. But yeah. it just has to be authentic. Right. Because I think ah oh god i don't you know i'm gonna go ahead and say it i don't sometimes you get like the hood films or whatever you want to call them and that's just not that's not everybody's upbringing mm-hmm. as entertaining as they are you know not everybody grew up that way you know i i i didn't go to school with majority of black people until i was like in fourth or fifth grade you know what i mean just like it, it's different i think yeah and um you want to see that reflected and i can remember on twitter um i follow ashley ford who is from indianapolis she's a writer in new york now okay but um she had mentioned how she wanted to see more uh black stories more stories about black people in the midwest absolutely someone had responded to her and said no one wants to see that because that's boring and it's like, so people in the Midwest don't have trials and tribulations? Right, exactly. See, that's, yeah, that's that's somebody that I don't think has, has really thought outside of where they live. Right, right. Because when you do get stories, <laughs> and, you know, I've not watched it all the way, and I've watched like a couple episodes, but in, like, take like Insecure, Insecure is on the coast. You can go mm-hmm. to the other coast and find shows, but you know, even the how did, Chicago? How do you leave out Chicago, Detroit, St. Louis, Indianapolis? Uh, there are tons of black people here. I mean, it's just yeah, yeah, and and that brings up a good point. Um, with what stories should be told? I can remember when Euphoria premiered. Um, yeah. And we all know, you know, this is the story from a white man about, like, sort of based on his experience with drug uh, misuse as a youth, but right. it's centered on a black girl and a black family and people of color around her. I know there was this sort of uproar or discourse about how um, Zendaya's character, Rue's mother, seemed to be so not involved in her child's life and how that doesn't depict a black woman, right? And it's like, right. how, not every black woman no. was knocking on the door of your room, checking in on you right, right, and everything like, cause there's black people who don't have that experience. No, yeah. So like, as much as I enjoy the show and I know these people kept watching and they had this as critique, it's like not every black person had the quote unquote black parents that you had yeah right right and you know that that experience has to be that story has to be has to be told too right um i agree and so what stories do you want to be told because we know we have you know sort of a hold on you said the quote-unquote hood film right we have 
We got religious films down pack. We got the religious films down pack. We have the biopic of right. Jim Crow, civil rights, whatever in the past, historic figures. So what other stories do you want to see on screen? Um, I want to see the, the, the Midwest is that hits it perfectly because <coughs> that that I, I that would be the first one I want to see. I want to see a black person in, in the Midwest because I'm not growing up anywhere else in this country, but I can quite imagine it, it, it's different. It's, mm-hmm. it's strange. It takes a little bit of time getting your footing as a black person in the Midwest because you are so heavily outnumbered, more so than you are in the South, on the coast. You just, yeah. So I would like to see that. Um, and this may sound weird, but I want to see black people struggling with addiction that and, and dealing with drugs, it's not from the standpoint of them selling it. Because it, it, you see, right. it's, it's as if we don't do heroin, if we don't do opioids, you know. And when we do get those films, you know, we're living in boxes on the street and shit, you know. But you know, you get beautiful portraits of white boys doing films like um, with Timothy Chalamet, that one. Mm-hmm. You know, we just don't get those type of opportunities. But you know, so. I would like to see that, you know, just not that I want to, <laughs> not that I want to see a whole bunch of films about black people struggling with drug addiction, but honest right. portrayals. Right. Hollywood's association with black people and drugs is that we use it against our people. Right, it's right. Like, it's either we're selling them, you know, we're selling them. Like there's not like, right, right. you don't see a story of, you know, a, upward mobile black person who sort of struggles with addiction or mental illness that results to addiction and how they overcome it. The closest I can even think is maybe holiday heart. And that's a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real stretch, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Because, you know, here's Alfred Woodard who deserves an Oscar for that, but we won't talk about it. Right. Her character, you know, she struggles with addiction and, um, but she wasn't, you know, so yeah, I would agree. Like we don't explore that. And that's why I think Euphoria is so interesting because we have this right. black girl struggling with addiction, sort of like a whole generation. Yeah. Sort of struggling with this wave of prescription drugs that was pushed upon them and right. also mental illness with her anxiety stuff like we've never really seen that yeah from the black perspective so yeah so that, that is a hmm. good one um and i had outside of the hood or large urban areas there are black people in the country in the midwest right. they're everywhere even if it's just a few like there's right. black people in connecticut there's yeah. black people in uh, idaho Milwaukee, like yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get interesting stories just because of where they are located. Mm -hmm. And that's what we really want: interesting stories. Good. If the story is good, we'll come back for more. Right. Absolutely. Like, just make a good story. Because not even dealing with black people, but every time (laughs) a new show comes on, I always kind of. I'll be like, okay, that looks interesting. Then I'm like, oh, you know, it's it's focused in Los Angeles or it's focused in New York. And I'm just kind of like, oh, God, I yeah. know how this is going to go. I don't want to watch it. 
Yeah. And I will say, um, just as an example, CW's All-American has done a yeah. good job of, yes, it's another story of, you know, Blacks on the West Coast. Yeah. But it's done a good job to make it fresh and sort of examine the issues that real Black people go through, not just like the hood and drugs and stuff like that, but like it focuses right. on depression and suicide, you know, and right. um, family, blended family. Um, it, it's just really good. The LGBTQ community, you don't really see that. It's basically right. what we would have seen on the OC or One Tree Hill, but with Black people. Yeah. And you don't really see that age group represented on TV unless they're secondary characters. Right, right. All right. And that brings us to another topic with Black film, the story discussion on slave oh, films that's just come up as, as of late. Um, there's been a lot of pushback on films depicting slavery. Um, this, yeah. You know, ever since, you know, 12 Years a Slave, even with last year's Harriet, people stomp and scream that they don't want to see slave movies anymore. They're not interested in seeing slave movies anymore because most of the time, the film is just focused like, on the pain and struggle and trauma. It's, it's, of, it becomes like torture porn, yeah. Yeah, and there's not real any story of yeah. miss we know the tragic you got to come with something different so right yeah so do you think we should end the sort quote-unquote slave film i think this should be i don't know i i don't know <laughs> i don't i don't think they will end but i think kind of what you were getting to is that it should be more carefully picked. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, may, maybe tell the story of a slave after they got done with slavery, you know, after they became free or something, or like, we understand that they were in chains and they were beat and all that. And I mean, that's important to know, but at the same time, it's like, <clears throat> I don't think a, a group of black people want to go and sit in the theater and watch that, you know? But, um, so I, I don't know. I I don't look for slave films, but I I don't think we're done with them. I think right. more will probably come. So right, I I agree. Like it's not that I when one comes out, I rush to see it because I think it's right. It's been done before, but I think it's so important because there's still a lot of story to tell. You right. know, we never say we're tired of seeing Holocaust films. We never say right. right. We're tired of seeing, I don't know, what other white oppression do they try to press on us? I don't know, but but I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, right. you know, they they're still making you know, um, you know, World War One movies and like 1970. Yeah. They're still getting these depictions of, you know. Young white men at war, you know, so I don't think mm -hmm. it ever stops. And to for what it's worth, like, I mean, think about we're just now getting a Harriet Tubman biopic, right? Like, right, in, in theaters in 2019. So, 
there's still a, a wealth of stories to be told. It's just the way they tell them, who's telling them, and what the main goal is. Because I saw a lot of people say, like, they were excited for the Harriet film when that trailer came out. It just wasn't what people expected. It just didn't live up to it. Yeah, I think people wanted, I think it would have been better if they had focused, like, um, maybe one section of her life. Because the way Ava DuVernay did Selma, we had seen MLK biopics before, you know. Right, right. She chose to focus his life in, on one time period where you could sort of go into details and and sort of get deep without having to rush, you know, from his birth to death or whatever. Because we know how the life right. goes. Like that's yeah, the thing yeah. with biopics, you know what's going to happen. So you need to sort of trick us into giving us something we weren't expecting. Yeah, for sure. So we kind of discussed already the representation we're seeking to see in Black film. Um, and I think, <clears throat> excuse me, going back to just what kind of stories, just sort of different things. You know, we've just in recent years seen the uptick in like Black horror. Yeah, yeah. Um, and genre films, you know. Um, we've always had comedies. What about, you know, dark comedies, mystery, Right. Um, we've always had sort of rom-coms in, a, in our own way, especially in the 90s, right. but just sort of like return to that because the 90s was sort of like a black film renaissance. We were getting comedies, we were getting dramas. We had a few action films and, you know, action stars and Wesley Snipes and Denzel Washington. Right. Um, we had some thrillers and then... 99, 2000, sort of saw another push, but it sort of died down. Right, yeah. So we're trying to return to that. Um, I think in terms of other representation, kind of goes back into what stories should be told. I want to see coming of age films for, mm-hmm. for both sides because we, we, we don't get too many coming of age films for black girls. It's very rare. Yeah. Um, but then I just want to see, uh, I want to see vulnerability because when we do get stories from, and, and it, it's happening slowly, but when we do get stories about black men, especially, then there's never, they, they don't wear their hearts on their sleeve. There's never black men that are just outright scared. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I, I kind of want to see that. I want to see people that are afraid or, confused or don't know what they're doing and you know just all this other different stuff i i want to i want to see stories and representation that gets as far away from the stereotypes as from from what we know yeah yeah and also down here animation yes yeah we definitely i guess all people of color lack in animation um we have pixar doing their first film with a black lead this year yeah um after toy story came out what 98 yeah i think so so like that's definitely a push we need more black animation and we have sort of our legends because there's so few but you know with the success of spider-man and the spider-verse there's definitely a space that needs to be filled and people are craving just different people are craving the experience interpreted in different ways right and 
I look, um, it's not a movie, but um, talking about black animation, Craig of the Creek is it is a show on a oh, Cartoon Network children's show, and it's about a, a little black boy named Craig and his two friends, and they play around this creek in the woods, kind of near his house. And I, I watch it more than I probably should, but it's because <laughs> it it's so good. I mean, I mean, it's not teaching you like life lessons, but I think that's what makes it. There are life lessons, but it's just fun. It's just a, a little black boy who's voiced by, uh, um, I'm guessing this guy's probably like late teens, a black guy. And um, he's just having fun, man. And he's just, he's just experiencing life. He's, they got him swinging from trees, man, playing in the creek, <laughs> doing all sorts of stuff. And, and it's so great because it's like, oh, man, this is, this is awesome. But um, yeah, I've I've caught a few episodes because I never know when cartoons come on. It just right, right, just be on. But right, but yeah, that's the thing. I, I know that's been like a huge hit, and that's something you don't see is just sort of black youth just being kids. Right. Yeah. Because so many of our stories are either you know in the hood if have to be father, mother, soldier, right. whatever to survive. Or they're either in slavery, have, slavery having to survive, or, or in the Jim Crow right. having to survive. There's never just existing. Right. And um, I mean, outside of that, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of a cartoon that's like solely just black, you know? Not at so. all. Not since Sea Bear and Jamal. And that was right, yeah. literally in the 90s. Right. So, so yeah. yeah good discussion hopefully we see some progress yeah, i mean hopefully. there's there's been work done um if i i don't know if you saw it or not but even walking phoenix brought to light you know the drastic lack of diversity right. in film at the baftas as he won for best actor because the baftas uh, nominated not a single person of color yeah that was really bad this year and he just, you know, he even spoke about how he, him, how he himself has failed to sort of push the needle for progress in that realm. Um, so hopefully we see something. We won't see it this year at the Oscars, but um, hopefully people are still working toward that goal. And, and hopefully, oh, sorry to cut you off, but hopefully it stays consistent hopefully we don't have to go through the oscar so white thing just to get right because it seems that we they let us win and then they're just like okay that was nice let's go back to the basics right right exactly and before i go on i forgot should we stop asking for good black films and demand good films with black leads is could that be sort of the issue because we say oh we want black films and they just talk a bunch of money to tyler perry and he does what he does Right, right. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I think, I think you have to ask for. I think there's always going to be that category of black films, of films that just get pushed into a box of being a black film. Because you can have. Let, let's take. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a film. I've, it's difficult <laughs> because they're so closely 
intertwine a black films and mm-hmm. just a good film with black leads because one that checks off both boxes is talk, think about fences with um viola davis and uh denzel washington you would call that a black film you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh but then it had two good black leads but you know i i think i think what i will say is that if you're going to make a black film make it yeah yeah i i don't think you're in the wrong for asking for better films like if you want us to really enjoy this put effort into it you know what i mean like yeah. try and then yeah give black people more lead roles so definitely because like just like you were saying um with fences like uh, though you hate to say it, it's true as soon as you know the cast has two or more black people it's right a black film that's already docked right. down to being less than right absolutely for mainstream audiences so you're always gonna get that but just you know diverse it up a little bit change it up yeah. a little change you know your equation your formula and then just start putting more black people and people of color in these films in general there are so many oh, films yeah. that come out that don't need white people in the lead yeah like this in the invisible man that's coming out elizabeth moss right. is a great actress there's nothing against her, but that could have been anybody. You could have put, I don't know. I'm trying to think of someone around her age, acting caliber. Just off the tip of my tongue, uh, Danielle from Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Yeah, you could. I know you're talking about, yeah. But yeah, who played Tasty? She's an excellent actress. She could have done that. And you could have uh, Aldous Hodge as the husband. And then a diverse cast. I wouldn't think of that as a Black film. No, no. But it'd be a good film with Black leads. Right. Like, there's no reason why everyone got to be white and then Aldous is just over here. Right. Randomly. it's you just see more and more like even this is television but with the bone collector like you have this black lead and then everyone else is white right so it's not to keep it from being a quote-unquote black show that's not really diverse no no because yeah i mean you want to make something that (laughs) reflects what the world you live in you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, so, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't think we'll ever have one perfect answer for any of the questions we try to answer. So. Yeah, but good yeah. discussion, good discussion. Yeah. This leads us to our last segment. What will you be streaming for the weekend? Um, there, this movie, uh, oh, I think it comes out. Yeah, uh, Horse Girl. And that title alone is wild, but it's on Netflix. <laughs> but it has, uh, oh God, what is her name? I've seen, I've heard people talk about it. Yeah, it it was at it was at Sundance, and I think it got okay reviews. Uh, God, she was in Community. Alison Brie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's her. I always get her mixed up with the. Uh, Oh damn! I'm dropping all the names. 
Oh God. Uh, she used to sing, and now she's an actress. She was just a superhero. She was just a superhero. Yeah. What was it? Was she something Captain Marvel? Who was that? Oh, that's uh. Uh, they have similar names, Brie Larson. Brie Larson, yeah, that's why I get them mixed up. Yeah, uh, they look nothing alike, but their names, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyways, so supposedly she's just like a normal kind of girl, and uh, she has some past trauma in her life that kind of comes up and uh, I don't know trips her up in life. But I, I heard her performance is one of her best. Mm. It's just the movie itself isn't that great. Uh, okay. Yeah, so that's what I'll be watching. <clears throat> for me, um, I've already bought my tickets for Birds of Prey. Oh, there you go. For Friday, so I'll be checking yeah. that out. DC's uh, next film. I heard great things about it. Yeah, um, it looks good. So, and then <clears throat> I meant to watch it last week, but I didn't. <clears throat> I have this thing where I don't watch multiple films in one day. Like, I feel uh, yeah. weird about it. <laughs> why that is a thing but um little woods is on hulu hmm. and this stars tessa thompson and some white woman i forget who it is tessa thompson and shoot lily james okay. it's directed by nia da costa Basically about two strange sisters, um, and one of them decides to sell, um, start selling opioids to save their household home. Oh, wow. And they're in North Dakota, yeah. So cool. I've heard great things about it. It was like an indie movie from last year. Okay. So I hope to check that out sometime this weekend. All right, Tim. You? Yep. Um, so that has been another episode of It's a Trinable Life. You can catch us here every Wednesday for a new episode, unless something happens. Right. Um, you can follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AS Life Podcast. And you can find more content on streamablelife.wordpress.com. That's streamablelife.wordpress.com. Until next episode, we will see you later. This was another episode of It's a Streamable Life Podcast with Brandon and Lauren. Listen weekly wherever you cast pods and follow us on the socials at ASLifePodcast and streamablelife.wordpress.com.